Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. Welcome to Healthy Children. All of our expert guests are provided by the American Academy of Pediatrics. I'm Melanie Cole. You know, we're always giving parents really great advice here, and our experts are the gold standard. But here we're talking today also about school attendance, because we know that during COVID, of course, everything was online, and it was such an unusual time homeschooling our kids, making sure they attended the online classes. I mean, it was all so bizarre. And now that our kids are back to school in person, and some of them don't always want to go, but there are reasons for that. So today we're talking to Dr. Heidi Schumacher. She's a practicing pediatrician, and get this, she also serves as the Assistant Superintendent Health and Wellness at the D.C. Office of the State Superintendent of Education. So she is seeing many sides of this attendance issue, the anxiety issue, the whole school avoidance, and also the health implications and benefits of really that routine, that school attendance. Dr. Schumacher, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. So let's just start right up off the bat. What have the studies said about mental, physical, and future overall health when children have school routine, they attend consistently, and really that health impact? of absenteeism? It's a great question, and thank you so much for the opportunity to join. I mean, you're absolutely right. We know that there are health inputs um, to causes of absenteeism. We know that when kids are sick, they might miss school for a couple days. Um, Certainly, we saw that a lot with COVID. Uh, We also know that when kids are absent from school, it impacts not only their academic achievement, But if we really extend the clock, we know that kids who have struggled in school are more likely to have long-term health outcomes. So we really see the health implications on both sides. We definitely do. So before we get into routine and sleep and all of these important things that help keep our kids going to school, and, you know, disclosure here, I have a 23 and a a 20-year-old. So I was through the ringer already and kind of out on the other end. But I know that for the parents that are right there in it now, what are some of the most common reasons today for kids to miss school? Because I would imagine it's a little bit different than either when I was young and I'm an old lady or when my kids were younger. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I guess I'd start by just saying, you know, as a reminder, we talk about school attendance. We care about school attendance, both as pediatricians and as school leaders, because we know that if kids are present in school, then they're, they're best situated to learn, right? We know that even the best schools, the best teachers, the best curricula don't mean very much if kids aren't in school, present, ready to learn um, and engaged. So the reason we talk so much about attendance is because we know it's really the foundation upon which the, the sort of whole trajectory of academic achievement is based. So why do kids miss school? I have kids too. I know, you know, again, acute illnesses, so colds, the flu, asthma exacerbations, uh, you know, all the sort of common things that we sort of take for granted as just run-of-the-mill thing, kid things, 
impact attendance. Certainly we saw with COVID, um, kids missing school because of illness or exposure to illness. But what we know and, and research bears this out is there are a lot of other reasons kids are missing school too. And I think in many cases, myself included, sometimes we sort of take those for granted. It might be a transportation challenge. It might be a family illness. It might be, you know, little things here and there, like we extend a vacation one day at the beginning, maybe one day at the end. Uh, and all of those absences add up. Uh, and I'm happy to talk more about that later in the discussion. But the point is that even a few days here and there really add up to make a difference. Well, certainly all those things you mentioned and COVID, obviously, but there are other reasons, anxiety and because of COVID, because of school shootings, because of all of these bullying, my goodness, with the bullying. So all of these things are reasons for school avoidance or school miss just absenteeism, missing school. Now, as we're looking at these reasons, these causes, which is too complex for us to fix here today, but we can certainly give so much good advice and help, you know, for parents that are dealing with this. But what's the difference as an educator and a school leader between unexcused and excused? You mentioned extended family vacations, but then you also mentioned illnesses, you know, so there's certainly both to be considered excused and unexcused. Absolutely. That's right. So as you noted, an excused absence is just that. So that might be, you know, we take our child to the doctor uh, or our child is sick and get a doctor's note. Once we bring that note into the school, those absences would typically be considered and coded as excused absences. Unexcused absences might be that vacation or, or any other reason that the child didn't have an excuse note. And that, you know, there are different uh, implications for families, different ways that schools sort of address the types of absences. But I'd encourage us collectively to think about them as, as both being really important. So both excused and unexcused absences add up to make a child potentially chronically absent. That's the term that we use. Even missing two days of school per month, excused or unexcused, can add up over the course of the year to that child being chronically absent. And that's really a marker of potential risk for impact to that child's learning. Yeah, that's so interesting. And it certainly does. Now we know we've learned more. As we learn about sleep and sleep hygiene and sleep quality, tell us a little bit about that relationship between sleep, school performance, and even attendance as we're discussing today. Because I mean, we didn't have these kind of issues. Maybe we sat up watching TV or talking on the phone with the long cord pulled. But today's kids right. have so many distractions. <laughs> My God. Oh, I remember shutting the door on the cord and it would flatten out the cord. You know, then my parents get mad at me for that. <laughs> but today's kids have distractions upon their distractions. And that lack of sleep or that going to bed late really does make them not want to get up in the morning and go to school. That's absolutely right. So I th as I think about it, both as a pediatrician and a parent myself, the sleep piece comes into play in a couple different ways. One, as you noted, and especially this is the case for teenagers, when a young person goes to bed late or doesn't sleep well or is in their room but really is actually on their screen until late in the evening, they're less likely to be 
positioned to wake up on time, to get to school on time. But I'll offer, I think, something that's just as important. Even if they get to school on time, they are less positioned if they've slept poorly to really fully engage in their instruction. And our hope is that kids are not only present in school, but fully engaged. And sleep is a really important part of that. It is, and it's not always easy to get those teens to turn their phones off, to get off of TikTok, even though I love TikTok, but to get out of there. And and sometimes it is hard. I've seen that myself. So as we're talking about absenteeism, how, how many days? If a kid's going to miss throughout the whole entire years, and you mentioned the week during the week and such, but is there a certain number that the studies have shown? that if you miss this many, or even that the school systems say, if a child misses this much, we consider it truancy? Great questions. So I'll start with your first one. So chronic absenteeism is something that we talk about a lot in the school space. Folks are used to hearing the word truancy, and that's important. We'll come back to that. But to me, the most important consideration is is really chronic absenteeism. That counts both excused and unexcused absences and missing two days a month of school ultimately results in a student becoming chronically absent over the course of the year. And think about that. Again, that might be a Monday, one week, because you know it was an extended weekend for travel, and then just a couple weeks later, one other day. That in of itself is enough to get a student to be chronically absent. And the reason why we focus so much on chronic absenteeism which counts both excused and unexcused absences, is because in the end, from a learning standpoint, the child's brain and development doesn't know if the absence was excused or unexcused. All all that impact is the same ultimately because that child is missing instruction. So from from an impact standpoint, from a chronic absenteeism standpoint, two days a month is what I would focus on. You're right, though, in that you also ask about truancy. And I'll just remind folks, we might remember this from our days as young people ourselves. Truancy is just unexcused absences. And then I I would encourage parents listening to contact their school district, look on the website, and understand what some of the pathways are for truancy specifically. Again, that's unexcused absences. Because any warnings that you receive should be taken very seriously. They may result in uh, warning letters for parents, additional conferences, and sometimes even uh, additional implications for the parent. Now we've talked about all of these things, truancy and sleep and health impacts of attendance and what is the acceptable days, all of those things. One thing we haven't mentioned is anxiety. Just simple school avoidance, worrying about homework, tests, bullying, teachers, lunch, all of the things, the fears. I mean, there's so much for kids to worry about today. So if anxiety is the reason, Dr. Schumacher, how do we know and how can we tell as parents if that is the reason and we're not sort of because... One of the things, again, we didn't really mention is the parents can contribute to this attendance issue, right? If we if we take our kids out of school for these extended vacations or we let them stay up late and then wake up in the morning and say, I just can't make it this morning, and we say, okay, okay, go back to sleep, that's on us. 
right? That is on the parents. But when it is the child themselves, they are anxious, they're upset, and we can see that they're visibly upset. What are we, what are we looking for and what do we do about that? When is it time to involve our pediatrician? So absolutely. I mean, certainly school these days can be stressful. It really can be. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of different reasons that young people may be stressed attending school. So that may be because of really high academic expectations in the school building. That might be because of other academic challenges that child is having. That may be because of social interaction challenges, bullying, all the things that young people deal with. You mentioned social media. We know that introduces great stress. So we appreciate that our young people are experiencing stress at very high rates. Certainly the pandemic, and for many students being virtual for a while and then coming back to in-person school, that also introduced a lot of new stressors. So I think for parents listening, my biggest tip for you is as best you can, talk to your child. That is the first line of both prevention and response. Understand the possibilities of why your child might not go to school. As best you can, be sympathetic. Be there with them in that moment. Because if, if students feel, if kids, young people feel comfortable at school and they have the supports they need in school, then they, in most cases, want to be there. And so there is almost always something that once we dig into it, we can identify as a particular point causing concern. Now, certainly, if there is ever pain, which we often see, so sometimes young people complain about headaches or belly pain or any other behavioral health stressors, you can always engage your pediatrician. They are always a thought partner. They can do an exam to rule out physical illness and also to help parents design a plan of treatment. You can also engage with your school. So school leaders, school nurses, deans, school teachers often have great insights on some of the behaviors that they're seeing both for for a given child but also the broader community. So use your network. Don't be afraid to ask questions. And certainly your pediatrician can be a great thought partner as well. Well, I certainly agree. Now, one of the things that's come up in the last few years is that early start. And a lot of kids, mine included, will say that that is one of their reasons for either not wanting to go or for, you know, skipping the morning and then heading off to school in the afternoon. We mentioned sleep. And we mentioned its relationship and all of those distractions for kids. But if you were to give parents your very best advice about getting our kids that good routine and that good night's sleep and so that they can wake up. And if school is at 745, it's at 745. Personally, I prefer earlier. I know that the kids don't. But I'm sharper earlier in the morning than I am at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm exhausted, you know, but... Again, I'm kind of old, but I was always like that. So if you were to give one best piece of advice to parents about that routine and helping their kids get their homework done, eat a healthy dinner, get a good night's sleep, all of those things that can go into that positive attitude for the day, what would you say? Well, you're spot on. I think even having a routine 
different families have different routines and that's okay. There's no one perfect routine, but having a routine that you stick with both in the evening and in the morning can be really helpful. Getting the screens out of the bedroom at night is a huge step, can be a big point of controversy within families, I get that. But trying to get the screens out of the room, um, supporting a wind down routine in the evening, and then supporting a wind up routine in the morning, uh, making sure that your young person, if at all possible, eats a healthy breakfast, that does not need to be a formal sit-down thing. That can be a granola bar and a banana on the way to the school bus. Um, but having a routine that includes something in the child's body in the morning to get that brain going, get the body going, um, bringing some water on the route to school and to drink throughout the day can also be really helpful. Um, but really the biggest thing that I would suggest is to have a routine that you work on with your young person together. I agree with you 100%. And as you said, it's not always easy. I mean, as parents, we're busy too. We've got our jobs and we run off without our breakfast as well. But it is important. And if it even requires waking up just 15 minutes earlier, I used to make my kids breakfast the night before overnight oatmeal or cut up the fruit and cover it and put it in the fridge. I did it all the night before so that I could just pull it out of the fridge or the kids could pull it out of the fridge, set it on down and there they go. But I know that not everybody has that time. So I'd like you to wrap up Dr. Schumacher with attendance. You are an assistant superintendent in the DC office of state superintendent of education. That is huge. You see this from a parent's side, you see this from a pediatric pediatrician side, and you see this from the school side. What would you like to tell parents about attendance and this, this health impact that we've seen, that we know about, and when you feel it's important that they have a talk with the school or have a talk with, before they get the call, right, before they get the call, they should be the ones to call and work out solutions. That's right. I think the biggest thing I would say is attendance matters. Attendance matters for each and every young person attending school because when we're in school, and especially if we've had that good sleep, had that breakfast, then our young people are ready to learn, to engage, to grow, to thrive. And I think as parents, the opportunity we have is to talk to our students, our children about school, about the opportunities at school, to help them get plugged in to activities that they love at school, right? Remembering school is more than instruction. School is also all that other developmental stimulation, extracurriculars, and we can be our kids' cheerleaders in that before, during, and after school in the year overall and before, during, and after school on a daily basis. So I think what I would encourage parents to do is, again, be their cheerleader, be your child's champion, engage with the school so that you are as understanding as possible about what that experience might be like for your young person. And of course, as always, you can use healthychildren.org as a resource, your pediatrician is a resource, and your school leadership can and should be a resource for every family. That is such great advice. And we always say that too, healthychildren.org. 
AAP.org. Yes, that's for clinicians, but parents, you know, you can look at it too because there is a lot of great information. And our pediatricians are the gold standard. They are who we look to to help. I love my pediatrician, and my son gets his last appointment, which is so oh sad for me. And so it really is so important, parents, that you reach out. Don't just let your kids sleep through their alarms and sleep through the start of school day. It's important that they get that routine. We've heard some great advice here today. Dr. Schumacher, thank you so much for joining us and really sharing your incredible expertise with us. And you can listen to these shows on Spotify and TuneIn and Stitcher and everywhere podcasts are played. But we want you to listen at RadioMD.com. So for the American Academy of Pediatrics and Radio MD, I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening. Stay well.